Welcome to another episode of Clot Conversations from Thrombosis Canada. I'm David Airdrie, Executive Director. I'm Jamil Abdul-Rahman, Hematologist from Toronto General Hospital. We're here to provide you with updates on diagnosis and management of thrombosis, featuring interviews with authors of recent research publications and highlights of education programs from Thrombosis Canada. Thank you for joining us for this episode. In this episode, we'll be discussing a recent paper published in The Lancet entitled Intermediate Dose versus Low-Dose Low Molecular Heparin in Pregnant and Postpartum Women with a History of Venous Thromboembolism, the HILO study, with co-authors Dr. Saskia Middeldorp and Dr. Henke Wiegers. Dr. Saskia Middeldorp is a professor of medicine and head of the Department of Internal Medicine at the Radboud University Medical Center in Nijmegen, the Netherlands. Prior to her transfer to Nijmegen in January 2021, she had been a professor of medicine at Amsterdam University Medical Center for over 10 years, leading the clinical thrombosis and hemostasis research lines of the Department of Vascular Medicine. Since January 2023, Dr. Middeldorp is one of the four research domain leaders in the Radboud Research Institution for Medical Innovation. Her present research focuses on several aspects of hereditary and acquired thrombophilia, women's issues in thrombosis and hemostasis, and the clinical evaluation of new anticoagulants and antidotes. And Dr. Henke Wiegers is an MD-PhD student at the Department of Vascular Medicine at the Amsterdam UMC, located location AMC. In June 2019, she started her PhD trajectory under the supervision of Professor Dr. Saskia Middeldorp as supervisor and focuses particularly on women and thrombosis. On the 17th of March, 2023, she will defend her PhD thesis entitled Progress in Prevention and Prediction of Venous Thromboembolism in Women, Focus on Pregnancy in the Postpartum Period. Uh, Dr. Hanke Wiegers started as a gynecologist in training on the 1st of January, 2023. Thank you for participating in our podcast today. It's great to have you both on board. Um, and I'm going to start by asking, uh, can you have can you give us some background on the risk of VTE in pregnancy in the antepartum and postpartum period? Yeah, so I think, uh, first of all, it's great pleasure to be here in this podcast. And I hope that uh, people in Canada and uh, uh, outside of Canada will enjoy listening to this. And the risk of uh, thrombosis in pregnancy and postpartum period in general is about one to three to two per thousand uh, pregnancies, which um, does not seem very high. But on the other hand, the um, impact of uh, uh, having a clot in pregnancy is quite high. Uh, thrombosis very often occurs in the iliac veins and the pelvic veins, meaning that women have a much higher risk of post-thrombotic uh, syndrome. And clearly the use of anticoagulants uh, during pregnancy, but also around delivery is, uh, is coming with a lot of, uh, uh, well, trouble. And I think uh, very importantly, and that is what our study was uh, was about, was women who have a history of VTE and they have an estimated risk of recurrence during pregnancy and postpartum period somewhere between 6 to 10%. And that was basically the reason why we felt this unmet medical need. So how is anticoagulation different in pregnancy compared to non-pregnant individuals and how was thromboprophylaxis managed in pregnant women with prior VTE before this study? So it's different. Uh, the use of anticoagulants obviously is different because there are two patients. There's a baby on board and you have to realize that many oral or actually all oral anticoagulants cross the placenta and uh, are either uh, uh, damaging or teratogenic to the fetus or, uh, or are actually anticoagulating the fetus. Uh, and that is why we have to rely on heparin, which has to be administered subcutaneously. 
And nowadays, it's low molecular weight heparin uh, that we use. And basically, uh, the vast majority of women with a history of VTE uh, do require both antepartum and postpartum prophylaxis. And there's a small group of women who have had a transient risk factor associated with their previous clot um, and not hormonally provoked that can only rely on postpartum thrombosis prophylaxis. So that hasn't changed because of this study. Uh, we, we followed the guidelines in terms of women who were eligible for antepartum and postpartum prophylaxis. But what we didn't know was what the right dose is. And that is the, the main rationale for the high-low study. So just imagine that we use doses uh, that are different between hospitals and between protocols because nobody knows. And we also know that in pregnancy, these women are generally young, have fantastic renal function. They have an increased circulatory volume um, and they gain weight during pregnancy. And, and we are giving them doses if you, if you do use the low-dose prophylaxis that are basically... Uh, tested in elderly patients who are undergoing knee or hips uh, surgery. Um, and, and I, in my clinical practice, had observed quite a few recurrences despite the use of low-dose and uh, prophylaxis. And that was basically the big driver of setting up the high-low study to see whether a higher dose is necessary to prevent uh, antepartum and postpartum recurrences. Okay, great. So let's talk a bit more about the study. So you conducted an investigator-initiated open-label RCT at 70 centers across the world. Who did you include in the study, and what interventions were the women randomized to? Maybe Yeah, sorry, it was, could you repeat the last question yeah, again? no problem. So you conducted an investigator-initiated open-label RCT at 70 centers across the world. Who did you include in the study, and what interventions were the women randomized to? So we included women, as Saskia already said, with a history of venous thromboembolism, and those the majority of those women uh, were uh, by uh, provoked by uh, hormonal contracept contraceptives, or they were unprovoked, um, and so that was the majority of the patients who were included. So the intervention consisted of an intermediate dose of low molecular weight heparin, and the comparator was the routine prophylactic dose that we use in clinical practice and the intermediate dose was roughly half a therapeutic dose and the other thing that we did was we increased the dose according to uh, increasing weight during pregnancy uh, which was different from the low dose which was fixed from the beginning and remained the same over pregnancy. Okay, great. So what were your findings regarding the VTE outcomes? So um, if we look to the primary outcome, so that was uh, from the from the start of the pregnancy up to six weeks postpartum, there was no differences in uh, between the low dose and the intermediate dose in the recurrences of venous thromboembolism. Okay, and then how about uh, the bleeding outcomes? So if we look to the both doses, so the intermediate versus the low dose, we did not saw any difference. So in both groups, we saw four percent of major bleeding in both groups. So that was the main outcome of the safety outcome. So major bleeding. Okay. And then you also conducted a post-hoc analysis looking if there was a difference in treatment effect in the antepartum versus the postpartum. Can you tell us a bit about that? So yeah, it was a post-hoc analysis since it was not predefined in the, in the statistical analysis plan, but we looked to the absolute number of events. And then we saw when we looked to the antepartum period that the number of events was similar for the intermediate versus the low-dose group. But when we looked to the postpartum period, there was a, a differences and there was a big difference between events 
in the intermediate versus the low dose group. So we saw more events in the low dose group compared to the intermediate dose group. So that was very interesting. And perhaps if I can add to that uh, for, for, for background. So overall, there was no, in the primary outcome, there was no significant difference. It was 2% and 2.9% for uh, for uh, recurrent uh, uh, VTE. Um, and and this, this, this whole uh, observation about the, 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 let's say, differential effect postpartum was really came as a surprise. Um, and unfortunately, of course, we, we, we didn't, we didn't um, put that down in a statistical analysis plan. But it may make sense because potentially the prothrombotic uh, a risk is the thrombotic risk is higher postpartum than antepartum, uh, meaning that perhaps you just only need a higher dose postpartum. And obviously, this was against our hypothesis. We had hypothesized that overall the intermediate dose would be superior in terms of efficacy. So, running this trial with over 1100 women in so many centers was, uh, if you look back at it, let's say, a little bit of a naive start. It took us many, many years to complete, but I think it taught us a lot, uh, not only intervention-wise, but also I think uh, in, in in looking at differentials between antepartum and postpartum risks and how you mitigate that risk by different doses. But we should also be a little bit modest. It was a post hoc uh, analysis, and ideally, of course, we would like to confirm this in future studies. And I think there was a difference in the type of VTE as well. Was there not between the two arms? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, that is correct. So there was a difference that was uh, uh, in pulmonary embolism. And, and that benefit uh, in, the, in the intermediate dose actually even was statistically significant. Uh, but it was all limited to the period after delivery. In fact, we have a negative study. But there were so many op- interesting observations. Uh, the numerical recurrence rate was really, really similar between the arms antepartum, but postpartum there were striking difference differences. And there was also in the secondary endpoints a striking difference in the number of superficial vein thromboses. And and we actually believe that uh, well, we didn't put that in our primary endpoint. But I think it's a very patient relevant outcome because. Uh, women who have a superficial vein thrombosis, despite prophylaxis, usually have to increase their dose of low molecular weight heparin. Um, Even though there is heterogeneity, uh, what doctors do, but it's a very important outcome for women. Um, And this was also very, very different in the postpartum period. Right. Okay. So before this study, there were only two small RCTs looking at thromboprophylaxis in pregnant women with the history of VTE why do you think there is such limited data in this demographic? Yeah, so the, these two small RCTs are old. Um, and and the, one of them was 16 patients and the other 40 patients. So four, zero and one, six, which is a total of 56. Uh, maybe, Hanke, you can tell us a little bit about how complicated it was to run this study. Just to understand that, um, well, we had to have some stamina here. And, and uh, apparently it was too difficult until now. But Hanke, maybe you, you have been seeing so many of these patients. Yeah, so patients were, yeah, of course, patients were screened uh, during outpatient clinic uh, visits, for example, when they were visiting the outpatient clinic from uh, Professor Middeldorp. 
and they were uh, informed about the study, but also, for example, uh, about the risks of bleeding. So we didn't know whether an intermediate dose uh, was also increasing the risk of bleeding, especially peripartum. Uh, so um, that was something which we did not know yet. And also the access to neurexial anesthesia, because the time interval for the uh, intermediate dose was longer than uh, 24 hours uh, compared to the low-dose uh, molecular weight uh, heparin uh, uh, group. So that was a time interval of 12 hours. So uh, when patients were randomized, because it was a randomized controlled trial, um, to the intermediate dose, they were um, uh, they were aware, aware of the fact that uh, they might did not get access to neuroaxial anesthesia. And also the bleeding risk uh, was also something which we took into account or which they had to take into account and sometimes they had uh, they were feared, feared to um, uh, uh, to um, uh, want to participate into the trial, so um, that was uh, that was something which was sometimes very hard. Yeah, and 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 also I think this patient population in particular. Uh, is very often uh, excluded from trials. And, and and I think that, as I said, well, you know, if you look at the rationale where we actually extrapolate from elderly patients to a group of uh, otherwise healthy young women who are now pregnant, um, it has to do with, with let's say, um, I think, legal issues, ethical considerations. And, and we shouldn't always also forget that there were also colleagues of us who were having a strong conviction about what the right dose would be. And I think that also influences how you counsel women. So getting these 70 centers together and doing this, um, well, we started and we said, well, let's see, perhaps a thousand women are needed. Uh, but it took us many years. And I'm I'm very happy and, and very proud of the team spirit that we had amongst all the investigators and all these women to get this done. And, and, and one of the things indeed is the neurexial anesthesia. There are massive heterogene heterogeneous practices around the globe in how pregnancies are dealt with, how women uh, get their babies. Uh, we are from Holland where we still have our babies. Some of the women, including myself, have babies at home. Uh, if you compare that, I'm I'm sure to the practice in Canada or in the US, it's very different. So it's good that this was an international study, uh, but it also uh, illustrated the the challenges uh, in conducting a uh, an RCT. And I think that is the reason why it hadn't been done before. Yeah, maybe it's it's nice to know that the first patient was included in uh, April 2013. Oh, wow. Oh, so. It took a while to complete the study, so almost ten years of recruiting patients. So, yeah, that's um... oh, that's that's incredible. Um, and so, what do you think the takeaway points are from the study, and how should we be managing thromboprophylaxis in pregnant women with a history of VTE in the antepartum and postpartum periods? Yeah, so regardless of when they had their VTE on, during which uh, circumstances, if they are eligible to antepartum and postpartum prophylaxis according to the current guidelines, uh, those women, uh, my, my take-home message is they are okay with low-dose antepartum prophylaxis, which is great because it gives them access to neurexial anesthesia in many instances. But postpartum, I would suggest... Uh, giving intermediate dose. One disclaimer is, of course, we are academically biased because we did this study. 
uh, I think the data are very strong. And I'm really looking forward to see how the evidence will be rated uh, for this particular differential uh, approach, antepartum versus postpartum, in, for instance, the uh, update of the American Society of Hematology guidelines. I'm a panelist there, and it, uh, the panel is uh, the chair is uh, Professor Shannon Bates uh, from Hamilton, uh, Canada. Um, I probably have to refrain from uh, voting on the on, on everything. So yeah, I think this will be difficult because it was a post hoc uh, analysis. But for me, that is my take home message. And I think maybe to add, Saskia, it's also a take home message from this study in general. So including pregnant women in trials is that um, uh, the fear of including women in the in the past, uh, I think we proved that uh, you can do uh, trials in women and pregnant women. So keep continue uh, 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 performing uh, uh, clinical trials in women and pregnant women. It can be done and it must be done. I love that addition. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything um, that we haven't discussed today that you'd like to add? Maybe I would like to add one other thing, um, <laughs> and that is the uh, the fact that in our high-low study, which was a randomized controlled trial, as being said, so it was very prospective with protocols in place. We already mentioned that there was heterogeneity uh, in terms of, of treatments prior to the study, but this also uh, occurred during the study. And... Um, so we had quite a few protocol violations. And one of the things that we learned is that that uh, some of these, what we call protocol violations, were also women who stopped uh, prematurely postpartum with their low molecular weight heparin. And I think that is because of the burden of treatment. Um, and there may be a, a, a slight advantage also for the low dose. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, postpartum, the risk is highest. And it could very well be that... We shouldn't only be studying uh, doses, but we should also study how to further improve adherence, because that might have uh, had an effect on on our intention to treat analysis. And 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 with that, I think it's really great that right now, for instance, Dr. Leslie Skeith from Calgary, together with with many other colleagues, is trying to uh, to do trials also in this population or in, in in pregnant populations, I should say, with a higher risk of thrombosis, the partum trial, to see if it is feasible to to do something uh, that may be a little bit less effective, but in a larger group of women with aspirin, that is easier to to do. And and all these studies really need a lot of stamina. But uh, as Hanke has already said, we have shown that it can be done. And I would really like to see lots of younger people uh, starting up trials in this population. And and in, in 10 years' time, or, or hopefully sooner, we will have newer answers. And, and I think that is something that um, we hope also that this study has, has, has led to. That's great. Um, thank you both for, for this. I know um, Dr. Lena Casalucci um, was the one who recommended we speak with you, and she was quite excited about the fact that we were going to be interviewing you today. So um, I know there's a lot of interest in this study for, for across, as you said, across the country. Um, and uh, good luck with your uh, PhD um, uh, defense tomorrow, Dr. Wiegers. Um, uh, I'm sure it'll go just great. And I'm going to close by saying thank you to our listeners for listening to Clot Conversations. 
Communications from Thrombosis Canada. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions on the podcast. And if you have any recommendations for future podcasts, please send them to us at info at thrombosiscanada.ca. Please subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified about the release of new episodes. And don't forget to check out our website for education programs, clinical tools, and guides. Also, we ask that you please consider donating to Thrombosis Canada to support our ongoing efforts to reduce morbidity and mortality due to thrombosis. And thank you, everybody. Thank you.